This week, we are crossing dimensions with 2018's Into the Spider-Verse. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! Interesting choice of words. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Oh, my God. I'm a pixie pear! <laughs> okay, let's run. This is the unbearable fate of massive talent. I'm Brittany Green. And I'm Liz Kurtzman. Uh, and, uh, you know this movie. You guys, listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you haven't seen this movie, stop. Stop. <laughs> Don't listen to this episode. Stop everything. Why have you gone five years without seeing this film? Oh my god, 2018 was five years ago. I know. That's rough. Oh. That's rough to think about. A baby born when this movie came out is five now. Entering oh. kindergarten. This was pre-pandemic. We were different people then. We were. Yeah. Anyway, go see it. The new one this is... This is just making me feel like Peter Parker <laughs> all over again. As we have discussed already, we are Peter B. Parker. <laughs> I think probably anyone within five years either direction of our age feels like Peter Parker. Yeah. Maybe even within 10 years, either direction. At least older. Yeah, I think anyone living in this day and age just feels like Peter B. Everyone's Parker. just tired. Yeah, we're all tired. We just want to eat pizza. Life didn't turn out the way you thought it would. We got a spare tire, and we just want to wear sweatpants. Yeah. That's it. Um, so I admire him a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, the new one is out in theaters. By all accounts, it's very good. Um, so we wanted to revisit this one um, so that we can go see the new one. Plus, this one has Nicolas Cage, and the new one doesn't, so it's inherently better. Which is so sad. Yeah. I wish, I wish, <laughs> we just need a full-length Spider-Man noir with Nicolas Cage. I wish. <laughs> so, I don't think they did this. It feels like a missed opportunity, but I guess because the animation style is just, like, so difficult to do. I wish they had done mini, like, mini-sodes of each of the, like, Spider-People. Because, that like, that's fun. what happened with the comics, was they had the main Spider-Verse two-year run, and then there were all these mini-comics about these different Spider-People giving us their background and, like, showing us how they got involved in the Spider-Verse storyline. Um, and I just want that animated with the characters from the film, because they're so good. The animation in this movie is... Some of my favorite animation that I've seen, probably. It's so good. It's almost too good. Like, they used uh, 180, I think, animators for this film, which at least until at the time was the most that they'd ever had work on a film. I feel like if they did the mini things, that the difference in quality would be similar to when we did the Croods, and then we accidentally watched clips of the Croods a yeah. TV show, and we're though, like, this is not the same. Though, if you're doing the different characters, you could just do it in their style. Right. So you, could you wouldn't do, have like, to incorporate so many different things the way that this movie does, which right. is part of what makes it so which cool. Which is part of what makes it great. But if you did, like, a spider pig, but it is, like, you know, Warner Brothers style, or you did Spider-Man Noir, and it's more, like, black and white and, like, you know, high contrast, um, I would have loved that. Um, so five years too late, but uh, I want them to do that. I love the joke that Spider-Man Noir can't see what the Rubik's Cube is. <laughs> but he solves it. He Somehow, must. Somehow. I guess all the different shades of gray. 
Eventually, he figures out the nuances between the different shades of gray. I, when he is trying to figure out the Rubik's Cube in that scene, and he's like, is this purple? Is this purple? I love that. <laughs> That's it's so, so hard at that part. <laughs> there's just so much good, there's so many good, quippy little jokes in it, too. Yeah. Um, everything that's, and it doesn't, like, go too over the head with it. Like, there's just so many fast jokes. Like, the stupid bagel joke, you know? Like, where he snags the bagel and some person who's working at this evil corporation, everyone's like, it's Spider-Man. And she's like, he stole a bagel. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so good. Yeah. Um, So, full disclosure, I did not see any of the Andrew Garfield ones. Oh, okay. But of all of the Spider-Mans... This is my favorite Spider-Man. Yeah. It's the... Yeah. I do like the live-action ones. I was a big uh, comics person for when I was, like, in middle school, high school, even in college. And um, I was a big Marvel person. I'm pretty burnt out on superheroes. I think everyone is. Like, yeah. There's same, just a largely. lot of them. Um, so I do like Spider-Man. I think that, like... Tom Holland uh, does a great job. He's great. Yeah. I like him a lot. I think he's the best live action. This one just feels Spider-Man. fresh and new. But this is like we were saying, there's so many things that you can do with animation that you cannot do with live action. It's just better. And they, they it kind of just... makes me think of like, you know, so like, that's the thing. So they just made the uh, like Marvel movies property that I was like, oh, they're doing a multiverse thing. And I saw it and I was like, that was pretty good. It wasn't Into the Spider-Verse, though. <laughs> it wasn't as good as Into the Spider-Verse. And, like, they did the Spider-Man No Way Home with the three Spider-Men from the movies. Yeah. I loved that film. I thought it was great. It was great. And they did, I think they did a really smart job with, like, tying the three movies together in a way that, like, That was worked. really fun. I thought it worked. It just wasn't Into it the Spider-Verse. Um, they did, originally, when they were planning this movie, they were going to try and bring the, the movie Spider-Man into it as voices. And then... They started planning for No Way Home and all this, you know, it just yeah. took really long to make the movie, so they didn't end up doing it. Um, but I think that, like, Tobey Maguire was going to voice one of the Peter Parkers. It would have made sense for him to do the one that Jake Johnson did. Yes. Because I think that that is, I think he is the most analogous and... and analogous? Analogous. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, to the Tobey Maguire films. And I guess it is sort of based on, like, Sam Raimi wanted to do a fourth one where Spider-Man and Gwen or, and Mary Jane had gotten divorced. Or Chris Pine. He could have swapped in for Chris Pine, too. Yeah. Yeah. That one wasn't as close. To, like, his clips weren't as close to the movie, but it would have made sense. They did have him dancing, though, which they was... They did have him do the yeah. dance. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> um, yeah. So they ended up doing it, which is fine because the voice actors in this are incredible. Everybody does a really good job. Yeah, I always I forgot that Chris Pine is the first Spider Man. Me and too. So like when he starts talking, I'm like, oh my god! Ah! Ah! I wouldn't have known if I hadn't looked it up. If I'm honest. Yeah, I I I think the first time I saw it, I wasn't quite sure. I was like, I know that voice. I don't right. know if I knew until I looked it up later. Um, but going into this one, I was like, that has Chris Pine. God bless. Um, yeah. So I. Looked up a little bit. I read the Spider-Verse comics back when they were published in 2014. Um, Eight eons ago. ago. I was a different person then. Um, And that was like... 
part of it was just there's so many in comics there's just so many different versions of the character right you know like even in just like the 616 universe which is like Marvel's main universe um there's Peter Parker there's Ben Riley there's how do Venom they decide what the main number for the main universe is I don't know how they got 616 seems so random why isn't it 1 I don't know you would think but I don't remember how they came up with 616 um but that is sort of the main um I don't know why. Uh, but, yeah, there's just, like, so many Spider-Men. And um, when it came along, they were like, let's try and bring all of them together. Um, and then they created a bunch more. And in the, it's very different from the movie. It's like there's, like, a, a family of vampire creatures um, who want to eat all the Spider-Men. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, because it's like, uh, what's it called? Oh, my gosh. Um it was a really bad movie that came out. Morbius. Morbius is one of these <laughs> vampires, but he's like the good one. The one who tries to be good. You know, I knew Morbius was attached to Spider-Man somehow, yes. but I never knew exactly how. Yeah, because when they said they are going to do the Morbius movie, they were like, how are you going to do Morbius without Spider-Man? And actually, Morbius, I believe, takes place in the Venom cinematic universe, I guess. Right, and Venom is also like kind of... Kind of? Uh, Spider-Man, yeah. not villain per se, but kind sometimes of a villain. Sometimes villain, yeah. sometimes okay. Right. <laughs> but he, um, actually, in the Venom movie, if you... Or, sorry, in the um, No Way Home, if you wait till the end, the after credit scene is Venom also got pulled into the universe, but got he gets thrown back before he can even do anything. Um, so, yeah, Morbius is like race of vampires like the Moreland and his family are going across the universes trying to eat all of the different Spider-Man like they call them totems because there's like a Spider-Man in every universe right and um so they are hunting for them and like um spectacular superior Spider-Man which is like too much to explain but it's basically like <laughs> Doc Ock in Spider-Man's body um finds out about it and then uses like DNA and kind of like this movie with the collider where he starts to pull anyone with like Peter Parker DNA into the 616 universe um and then that's how they team up um so obviously that's a lot to try and you can't do that in the movie like i think they did a good job of j- Coming up with a way to bring everyone together. They simplified together. it in a way that you don't have to be a giant comic books nerd to know all the backstory stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, and even as a comics book nerd, I was like, like it's still sometimes enjoyable. lost. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's very different, but I, I thought they did a great job with that. Um, we were talking about how great the animation of Wilson Fisk the kingpin is in this. He is just like he's so crazy looking. And he's you could crazy never do that looking in a live action. He's like as wide as he is tall. He's like one of those characters. So every so every couple of years, for some reason, every couple of years they talk about making an Akira live action. Yeah. And every time I hear that, I'm like, no, don't do it. It's gonna look weird. It's not gonna be as good. It's yeah. gonna like I feel like Lucy was pretty close to an Akira live action. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, and uh, you know, it just fell short in a lot of ways because you can't do as much stuff. What? What was that one that was, like, uh, the girl with the big eyes who's sort of an android? They made a movie. Oh, uh, Akita Battle Angel? Akita Battle Angel, which is, I got confused. That's a different thing. It's a different thing, but it is, it it is weird looking. Um, Yeah. I never watched that one, so I don't know if it's good or not. 
I didn't either, although I did hear good things. Yeah. Wasn't that, like... That was somebody famous that made that. That was, like, oh, Guillermo yeah. del Toro or something, right? It was not Guillermo del Toro. Um, or was it, like... I don't know. It was somebody. It was a name. Yeah. It, I think it was... Was it... Oh, it wasn't Robert Rodriguez, was it? Oh, yes, it was. Yeah, you said that, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm a genius. You are a genius. <laughs> um, I don't know why I that popped into my I head. It, it is like Robert a, It was a director that, like, it's easy to make the jump to, like, making and, comic booky things. And produced by James Cameron. It's actually kind of unusual, because Robert Rodriguez usually only does stuff that he can do with, like, his studio. Right. Yeah, He no, doesn't like weird. big studios, right. so maybe because it was James Cameron, he was like, all right. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, Our producer's going wild. <laughs> she's having a real wild time. Um, I Because I, I think I, I dropped a zip tie on the floor, which is the greatest toy you could ever have. Never, mm. never mind all the actual toys she has. Um, if this is the first podcast you're ever listening to of ours, <laughs> what a wild statement. <laughs> Just imagine a producer, like, rolling around on the floor and chasing a zip tie. <laughs> um, um, okay, so which of the... Peter Parker variants, do you think was created first? Like, in the comic books? Oh, um... Probably, like, the Peter Parker that lived in Miles Morales' universe, right? No, actually, because that's Spider-Man Ultimate, or Ultimate Spider-Man, which was in the 2000s. Um, and so, like, yeah, other than even in, like, the weird ones, you know, when you get into, like, the three sort of non-Peter Parker ones... Um, Spider Ham was of introduced all the ones in this movie. The first one was Spider Ham. Yeah, he was introduced in 1983. <laughs> and as... I mean, that makes sense. I would. I I feel like that was a good. You you got me, Liz. That was a good trick <laughs> question. <laughs> well, no, I thought that he was created for Spider Verse. It was so silly that I was like, surely that was created for the comic, the Spider Verse. He's comics also run. so like. Like, why in today's day and age would you make, like, a Looney Tunes parody Spider-Man? Like, yeah. just why? Like, I feel like Looney Tunes generally was because much bigger. Because then you can name him Peter Porker. I mean, like, that's a good <laughs> joke. But Yeah, he was introduced in Marvel Tales starring Peter Porker. Like, if you were going to do it for 2018, I feel like the cartoon you would probably, like, do a riff on would be a more modern cartoon. Yeah. It would be like Peppa Pig Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like a Simpsons Spider-Man. Simpsons is so old, Sp- Simpsons also had a Spider-Pig. So I know. I-, I had the Simpsons soundtrack almost specifically for the Spider-Pig song. Because that was a banger. It was like... You couldn't... You couldn't get away from the Spider-Pig Spider-Pig Spot. <laughs> yeah, Danny Elfman in all his glory. Yes. Oh, so good. Um, yeah, so he was introduced first, and then uh, Spider-Man 2099 appeared in the 90s, and then Spider-Man New War was 2009, Miles Morales first appeared in 2011, Spider-Gwen... Wow, that was the, 2011 was the very first ever Miles Morales? Yes. Wow, that was more, more recent than I would have guessed. Yeah, yeah. The ultimate... I had, like... So, you're, you're much more of a comic books nerd than I am. Yes, thank um, you. Um... But, like, I had heard of Miles Morales before this, Mm -hmm. and I assumed he was older. No. Um, He, because the Ultimate 
universe was created in the 2000s to sort of reboot everything and but to still why they could still continue the other stuff and spider-man in that universe who is the first one we meet he dies and miles morales takes over all right let me ask you about about random figments of my memory yes for a second excellent let's play this game um (laughs) let's let's play the the mandala i remember I remember when I was a kid, and I used to like to read, like, the comics in the newspaper. Uh-huh. Occasionally seeing a Spider-Man comic in yeah. the newspaper that yeah. was a much older Spider-Man. Um, and I believe he was with, uh, he had, like, white in his hair, I think. And he was not a, he was not a teenager. He was not, like, a younger Peter Parker. He was definitely older. Um, and do you remember what I'm remembering? No. (laughs) I don't know anything about that. All right. I imagine if they had a syndicated, like, like, weekly cartoon in the newspaper, it's probably, like, a separate storyline. Um, but I, I don't remember that. All right. I don't think we got that in newspaper. Dang. (laughs) I do remember that, like, I do remember that sometimes there were, like, major comic book characters who would have, like, a Sunday, you know, strip. Yeah. Because, like, um, the Phantom had one. Right. And, like, Black Panther, I remember, had, that's how I learned about the Black Panther, because he would appear in the Sunday Strip. Um, so I guess it was just, like, another a Spider-Man from the Spider-Verse. <laughs> um, yeah, the one that gets me is Spider-Gwen didn't make her debut until 2014, and I feel like she's been around longer than that. But I guess she just has had a, a, a big impact was it the Amazing Spider-Man? Daily comic strip? 40 years soap opera style strip? Oh, hell yeah. This probably was it. That sounds like it. Soap opera style. It was, uh, Stan Lee was, was the writer. All my Spider-Man reading came from the library, so. That was what the Andrew Garfield movie was called. Mm-hmm. It was the Amazing. Spider-Man. There's so many different um, titles for Spider-Man that there was like Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Superior Spider-Man. Like they all are different storylines and sometimes different characters. Um, Yeah, so there's a a deep, rich Spider-Man legends to pull from, um, which they did for this movie, which won an Oscar. It was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Did it win Best Animated uh, Feature? Yes. It deserved it. It was one of the first non-Pixar, non-Pixar, non-Disney films, I think, to, to win an animated feature Oscar. Um, the cast also features two Oscar winners, Mahershala Ali and Nicolas Cage, and two Oscar nominees, Haley Steinfeld and Lily Tomlin, who I love. I'm wondering if we can talk about some of the individual Spider-Mans a little bit that appear in this comic. One thing that we learned was that um, uh, Penny Parker, mm-hmm. who is um, is uh, the little girl with the robot spider, yeah, was created by Gerard Way from My Chemical <laughs> Romance wild. in 2014. Yeah, which is fun. Which is fun. Like I said, he's had a while because he just obviously had like a incredible music career 
And, like, whatever you think of My Chemical Romance, just wildly successful. And then goes on to do comics, which yeah. was the thing that he was like, yeah, I want to do this now. Yeah. And, um, I mean, obviously Umbrella Academy is the one I mostly know him for. Um, which is also now a hit TV show. So he's conquered so many, so many areas. So many lives. <laughs> so many lives he's lived. But, uh, yeah, I love that he did Penny Parker. Um... Yeah. And um, as you just already said, Peter Porker, Peter Porker created in the 80s. Yeah. Now voiced by John Mulaney. Voiced by John Mulaney. First cartoon voiceover, I think, he, he did? Voice acting? Really, he just has the best voice for that character. Yeah, well, he's since already then, got such a Looney Tunes voice. Yes. It was a great choice. He's and got since like, then, he's like that been old in... timey cadence yeah. for some reason. <laughs> he plays. Did you ever watch uh, Difficult People? No. <laughs> I love that show. It's uh it's wild. And uh he is on it in one episode as like um this rich guy whose like eccentricity is that he pretends to be from like the twenties and he just like talks like that and like rides like a John Lenny also just does talk like that. Yeah, he was a perfect choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is fun. Yeah, since then he's done like so many other voiceover things. And then the other thing that I'm hoping that you can do, obviously, because it's the Nicolas Cage podcast, and Nicolas Cage is is the voice of Spider-Man Noir. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about Spider-Man Noir? A little bit. Um, I looked it up today because I did read a little bit of the Spider-Man Noir. That was another thing that happened in the early 2000s. They did, like, noir versions of all the characters. Was that because of Sin City? I want to say it's got to have a big part... Of that, yeah. Right? I think it was partially based on the success of Sin There City. was just, like, a big thing at the time, because there we also a- had, like, Spirit, the Spirit, yeah. which felt like a Sin City ripoff also. Yeah. <laughs> there was a big, like, 30, like, 1930s, 40s nostalgia thing that happened in, like, the early 2000s. Which is also weird, because usually you have to, like, remember stuff to, for it to be nostalgia, and they were not making that stuff for people who grew up in the 40s. No. It was really <laughs> weird. And, like, the, new, the whole noir universe was, like, set in like the 30s and 40s and most of them it was either like less supernatural stuff or like totally no supernatural stuff um but with and spider-man noir actually mostly uses a gun which we do see like at one point he has a gun in the movie Mm -hmm. um but he never actually uses it because they're like that's no fun um but he is a vigilante and in this universe instead of it being like science that turns him into uh, Spider-Man. Um, he gets bit by uh, he's like an investigator he's like a detective of course because it's no right. universe and he's spying on the smuggling ring and he um, gets bit by the spider that was inside the spider god idol and the spider god chooses him as its totem. So he gets all the like strength and ability to do all the Spider-Man things. Um, and then his um, his uncle Ben Parker dies. Adrian Toomes, who is the um, vulture, kills him, and he's a cannibal in this universe. And I think he eats Uncle Ben. <laughs> and then uh, his um, uh, his buddy Ben Ulrich also gets killed, and so he becomes a vigilante and goes after bad guys and starts going after Nazis, which is always fun. Uh, but he, unlike a lot of Spider-Man, he uses lethal force. He's very brutal. Um... And the line that he has in the movie that's, like, talking about um, having to, like, deal with your demons and, like, 
wrestle with like the ethics of blah, blah, blah. That's like a huge thing with his character is he like kills people and then feels really bad about it and is always wrestling with like the morality of what he does. He just sounds like Rorschach. Very similar. <laughs> yes. Very so Imagine Rorschach having the ability to climb on buildings and you basically got it. Um, even the even the like outfits a little similar. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Spider-Man Noir. That's what I know about him. I didn't read a ton of them. Um, I remember Black Cat is a character in that one too. Um, yeah. There you go. Spider-Man Noir. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage said, um, he was excited that the directors let him have fun with this role. And, um, it's no, he said, it's no secret that I like to play with different sources. It was fun to go back in time and pull back a little of that Humphrey Bogart essence. Um, he thinks the movie will appeal both to the adults who like old movies and the kids who want to learn more about them. Um, I think he's right that it will appeal to to adults and children. I don't think he's right about why. <laughs> I don't think that... Because his character's not in it that much. No. But, so. I mean, like, going back and watching it again, now that we've been doing this podcast... It had a special appeal to me. Yes. Every time that he said something, I was like, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> he had every line that he said was gold in this film. Yeah. Like, he's not in it very much, but every line he says is perfect. I loved him. Me too. It was perfect casting. I'm so sad that he's not going to be in the next one. Um, yeah. Oh, I want to say this because you asked me about this when it started. The seal of approval from the Comics Code Authority that appears at the beginning um, that was on comic books for almost 60 years to signify that I the comic books... I knew about books... the comic code. I yeah. was just curious if it was still a thing, no. mostly. It was well, just there for, like, just a weird little yeah. stamp of, like... Well, because they wanted the movie to look two-dimensional, and they wanted right. it to look like a comic, so that's why they started it with that. Okay. And there's some other... The other thing they do is use the offset coloring that happened in old comics. I guess for people who don't know, you can tell us more about the comics code. Okay. Just because um, I cut you off there and everybody <laughs> might not know about it. You're like, I know it! I know about it! <laughs> um, so yeah, for the first 60 years that comics were published, they had to be acceptable by the comics code authority. It's very similar to like with movies you had the Hayes Code. Right. Where you have to follow certain things, right? Or else you don't get approved. You can't be published. Stanley spoke about how much they wanted to defy it because they couldn't he wanted to have, like, a story about, like, drug abuse in Spider-Man. I think, like, a very special episode kind of thing. And they couldn't even do that because you couldn't talk about drugs. Um, so over about 60 years, it was around, and then they got rid of it. Um, but I think starting it with that was just a, like, little, little nugget. So it was around for 60 years. Mm -hmm. Would it have gone away in, like, the 80s? Because I feel like that's when, like, comic like books that. got really gritty again. Oh, yeah. The 80s were... So Crazy. dark. Yeah. Uh, it had to be in the 80s. I mean, that's like when Alan, like the main reason I'm like, Alan Moore didn't give a fuck. <laughs> no. He was just like, <laughs> geez, you read Daredevil in the 80s. Yeah. And it was so, I mean, Daredevil, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created to parody Daredevil because Daredevil was so <laughs> gritty and dark that they were like, like this is ridiculous. They live in the sewers. Yeah. And they, it, that's why in um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's the foot that they fight. Because in Daredevil, it's the hand. I love that. <laughs> but the the, the um, Turtles comics were ultra violent. 
and gritty. And then when they made it into a cartoon, they were like, ha pizza. <laughs> I didn't know that. I think I mostly was familiar with the ha pizza Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Me too. I wasn't reading a lot of the gritty Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. I found about them when I was older and I was like, oh, damn. So I know they're making Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again for again. some reason. What if this time? <laughs> when is someone going to finally make us? We need a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle that's true to the source material. When is Tarantino going to make a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? <laughs> that's what we want. Um, I want those turtles dismembering their enemies. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would guess that either they disbanded it in like the late 70s, early 80s, or it just relaxed the what code. What if Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is actually the closest to the real thing? Oh, God. That movie was rough to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that years ago, and it was no fun at all. Um, that would be sad if that was the most accurate one. <laughs> I don't like that. Anyways. <laughs> um, uh, oh, my God. The other thing I love is that Chris Pine does record a Christmas album as Spider-Man. And I do have is a listing. Is that available? I think it was on, like, Spotify, at least. Okay. Um, I don't so know. I can go and listen to it now? I hope so. It could be our after the credits. <gasps> I hope so. Stay tuned. Stay tuned to find out more. Um, I do have a track listing for it. <laughs> uh, it includes uh, Spidey, It's Cold Outside, Swinging Around the Mistletoe, Silent Night, parentheses, You're Welcome, <laughs> Joy to the World, parentheses, That I Just Saved, Spidey the Snowman, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like a Non-Denominational Holiday, and <laughs> Ave Maria. <laughs> oh my god. It's so good. We were talking about the Dungeons and Dragons movie, and Chris Ugh. Pine in that is just perfect. It's so good. It's so fun. I thought it looked fun, and then I saw it, and I was like, that's exactly what I wanted. It's exactly what I wanted from that movie. And Chris Pine, perfect casting as the bard. I love what's happening with Hugh Grant's career. Yes. He's just having a good like, time. from Cloud Atlas on, he's mm-hmm. just been, like, doing great stuff. Doing weird stuff. I, I got me on. I saw that. Uh, Willy Wonka trailer, though. Is he in that? Brittany. Hugh Grant plays the Oompa Loompa. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that! <laughs> I'm so happy I got to tell you. <laughs> I thought that's why you brought it up. No! <laughs> oh, it was so weird. Oh man, I have to watch that. Like, you gotta watch. I didn't very soon. Yeah, the trailer is so weird for that movie. I don't understand why they're making this movie at all. And it ends with Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa <laughs> and playing a flute. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's he's chaotic. <laughs> Oh, oh my! I'm, the only thing I know about that is Timothy Chalamet is playing young Willy Wonka, yeah. and I've seen pictures of it. And for some reason, it looks like he's in like a Charles Dickens property. He is dressed as Gonzo from the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, absolutely, a hundred percent. The same outfit. He doesn't. I don't know what it is, but he does not read as Willy Wonka. He reads as Charles Dickens, and I yes. cannot define for you what the difference is. There's a difference, but there's a difference. Yeah. 
There's a difference. It also feels like that's too long ago for the film. But I guess I don't really know the timeline of the film. Because if it's a prequel to the Gene Wilder one, that one... That one felt like it just took place in the 70s, right? I guess it's sort of ambiguous. It is ambiguous. So it could have been like the 30s or 40s. Like, people are not dressing like Willy Wonka in the 70s. Yeah. But also, he's Willy Wonka. He's timeless. Yeah. Um, I don't... The trailer looks weird. I I don't think Timothy Chalamet is the right actor. Like, obviously, he's an incredible actor. Not the right actor. The only person who I will accept is... Jeremy Allen White. (laughs) (laughs) Who looks exactly Exactly like like a young Gene Wilder. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, they should have cast him. I can't picture him singing and dancing. (laughs) No, but I I believe in him, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, so the Nicolas Cage movie, Willy Wonka. Um, (laughs) That I would also accept, but he would would have to be older. Who would he play? Oh, I was p- thinking Willy Wonka, but it's like, instead of a prequel, it's a postquel. It's a postquel. <laughs> or a it's sequel. the Great Glass Elevator. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think that would be very fun. I mean, I don't really want that either. No. But, um, I, I feel like that was, goes- that was for the joke for the podcast, but... Um, <laughs> like, that was a joke. I don't actually... Nicholas Cage, if you're listening, please don't make a Willy Wonka movie. <laughs> I feel like he would have been a good uh, Slugworth. Is that what he's called? Oh yeah, that the could evil be guy. Yeah. yeah, he's not really evil, but you think he's evil? Yeah. Um, he's fun. That yeah. that would be a fun role. I'm gonna sneeze. Oh. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Bless you. Thank you. Um. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of singing and dancing, the soundtrack of this movie oh, is incredible. A banger. It's so good. Um, and that, I mean, like, obviously the, um, songs, what do you, what's the different, the score, and then yes. there's... <laughs> score, and then the soundtrack. Oh, okay. The score is also amazing. We were talking while we were watching it about all the different ways that they incorporate, um, sound effects. Yeah. Into the music in a way that is, like, is, uh, relates to the plot and relates to the character. Um, one of the things in, like... Um, Miles's scenes or his song is like the sound of a spray can is incorporated into his theme, which I think is fun. Which is cool. Yeah. And then we talked about the Prowler, of course, because the Prowler's noise is like elephants. Sad elephants. Yeah, because they wanted it to sound scary and a little sad. And then we were like, man, they use elephant sound effects a lot in movies. <laughs> you never notice it somehow. Yeah. But I feel like I'm going to try and pay closer attention now that I've thought about it consciously. It's going to be like the I Heimlich, knew, or the, um, the, the, uh... The Scream. The Scream. The... The Wilhelm Scream. There you go. <laughs> Which they just found the masters for. Ooh. It was almost thrown out. And then as a collector of audio, of vintage audio, actually found it in like a box full of hundreds of other tapes of the original Wilhelm Scream recording, which I think is cool. Um, Yeah. So that's going to be our next Wilhelm Scream. It's just elephant noises. Listening for elephant noises. Because <laughs> I know they use elephant noises for the sound of, uh, in Star Wars, they use the elephant sounds for like the, like that noise of yeah. like the, the ships. Yes. Um, and, and then they use them in Jurassic Park mm-hmm. for the sounds of like the T Rex. Yep. Um, yeah. They mixed get with other stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Elephants, they get around. They they have a pretty weird, unique noise. Mm hmm. Yeah. We don't give enough credits to, to no. elephants for their work and sound effects. They should win the Oscar this year. 
Elephants? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe if we don't get the writers back, then yeah, we'll just be ad-libbing the Oscars. We'll just be and... giving out random Oscars. Yeah. Um, and this year, for sound design, <laughs> elephants. Elephants. <laughs> um, yeah. When this... some Dadaists take over the Oscars next year. <laughs> I would be here for it, actually. Um, I, uh, I just want to say this movie works on so many levels for me. Because it's so funny and it's so sad. It's I so cry like sad. three times in this movie. There's three hugely sad parts in it. Um, obviously, Spider Man. We haven't really talked about the uncle yet. I was just about to talk about the uncle. Yeah. When you, yeah. Um, first, I think it's cool that this is, I think, the first biracial superhero on film. Really? Um, that's what the voice actor of Miles said, uh, Shamik Moore, and I... He would know. Yeah, I think he's right. I can't think of any others. Um, yeah. Or who are, I guess, who are canonically biracial, and not right. just, like, the actors biracial. Um, so I think that's cool to have this Afro-Latino character. Um, and then we have this really interesting, like, family dynamic in this film of his, like, mom is his... I think she's a nurse? Yeah, that's She's what a I nurse. Um, the dad is a police officer. And then the uncle, we know that the dad and the uncle aren't speaking to each other. And that uh, Miles is really close with his uncle, who's... Um, it's unclear what his uh, job is until later, when I guess his job is just that he works for Kingpin, right? He's a supervillain. Yeah. Um, and as we were saying, like, I would have loved to know just a little bit more... About how he ended up working for Kingpin. Not even as a critique of this movie, because I think this movie is perfect. Yeah. This is just like, man, this seems like an interesting story. Yeah. And I guess it's also probably good that we don't know because Miles doesn't know. Right. He never gets to find out. Like, he never it's gets an explanation. And he, he just has to live with that and knowing that his uncle was this bad guy. And it's so, it's so good. It's so well done because he is portrayed as a whole human. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think they ever really want you to dislike him. Yeah. Um, it's, it's... And the moment that he finds out that his nephew is, like, this little kid Spider-Man... Yeah. He... You instantly see, like, in his face and everything, he's like, oh, I can't... I can't do anything with this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, I can't... He's, like, a whole human being, and we don't get a lot of superhero villains that get to have layers like that mm -hmm. where they're not just bad. I would say certainly for, like, henchmen like him. Right. Right? Like, usually you, you know, we're really into, like, complex villains now, right? Now we've got movies coming out about why villains have, are like, the way Wanda, they are. And we have, yeah, like, and, like, the Cruella de Vil movie and all of a sudden you, like, they love to give them, to, but it's usually the big bad. Right? It's usually the big bad and it's usually forced. It's usually pretty <laughs> forced. Um, whereas this one, it was like, oh, yeah, like... Because we don't get... Like, the problem is when you start to build in all of the motivations for the things that we're, that they're doing, that's what starts to feel forced, yeah. right? And since we don't know his motivations, I think that's probably what helps make it work more. Yeah. Because it leaves it ambiguous, and mm -hmm. you're like, who knows, right? Yeah, and he's not even, like, super-powered. He His power comes from his suit and his own, like, training, Presumably, we don't know what he, how he got training, but he like is clearly trained in martial arts. Mm -hmm. um, and so we don't again, we don't know why he was chosen to wear the suit, or you know why he started working for Kingpin. Um, he seems like a pretty nice guy. Uh, he's a good uncle, and so 
Yeah, and unfortunately, like, we find out, and then almost immediately, like, he dies. And that scene is so sad. Very sad. It's very sad. And then also, like, Spider-Man dying at the beginning of the movie is really rough. Because, like, with the voiceover, that's like, you always get back up when you're Spider-Man. And, like, I always live to fight another day. Well, and the uncle... So, to back up a little bit, the uncle dying, too... You have Miles is right there mm-hmm. and probably feels a little bit responsible. Yeah. But then you also get his dad, who you know isn't been talking to his brother, but regrets probably. Yeah. You get, like, the regret angle of, like, man, I feel bad that I didn't try to patch things up with him before this happened, which then comes out a little bit further when he comes and tries to talk to Miles while he's uh, wrapped up in spider webs yeah. in his bedroom. <laughs> and he is just like, you drift apart from people and I don't want to drift apart from you. And I was like, <laughs> it's very sad. And I guess at the beginning, I missed this, but I read it in the trivia that, um, I think Aaron's lock screen has his brother on it. Mm. And so it shows you like, he still cares about him. Um, even if he is not speaking to him. So from your trivia, not from the movie, Mm -hmm. I feel like we have a little bit more of some possible clues into some backstory with knowing from your trivia that Miles' dad used to be an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's never talked about in the movie. They don't talk about it in the movie. It's not addressed in the movie. But but. apparently the director or the writer said that because someone asked, and I had wondered this. I didn't know why this was the case, but Miles has his mom's last name. Because his dad's name, last Jefferson, name is Jefferson. probably, right? Yeah. And, um, his... And you also hear his mom speaking Spanish and she's Yeah, she's the, the Latina she's, half of his heritage. And the father does not give a Latino vibe. No, he is, um, I believe in the comics and in the movie, I believe he is black and she is, um, I'm not sure. And where she's, she's from. Where she's but, from. Um, but he's voiced by, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Um, and... I love Brian Tyree. I know. I didn't realize that was him. Yeah. Yeah. He almost didn't do it. And then when he, then, you know, he learned more about the story and he was like, well, I got to do this. Um, But the reason apparently that Miles has his mom's last name is because his father used to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. and didn't want, like, when people were still looking for him or might go after his family, he didn't want anyone to be able to find Miles. And then after he quit and became a police officer, by that point, Miles, like, was already, already had a yeah. name and a stat, and they're not going to change it then. Um, which makes you wonder if, like, that maybe part of Aaron and Aaron him and, both yeah. worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. or something, or, like, then that's why he was trained to fight like that. And then when they've got let go or quit or whatever, suddenly he doesn't have a job and somehow gets involved with Kingpin, and he's already used to this sort of, like, superhero, supervillain world. Um, which I think is, like, an interesting thing to speculate about. It just about. gives you stuff to think about. Yeah. It doesn't give you too much, but... It's it's little threads. Little bits that make it feel like a really fleshed out universe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff about the animation, too, um, that's really fun. Um, like, again, there was like a thousand trivia things about this movie that I couldn't read all of them. Um, but uh, we already talked about the offset coloring. Which is um, an old printing. If you look at old comic books, first of all, there were like four colors that they used. Right. Um, and the uh, black and white would get printed first, and then you would stamp color on it. And it would often be a little bit off, which is why you got the overlapping color bubbles, like outside of the black lines. And they did that on purpose in the film um, to try and evoke 
the um, comic book sort of look. Um, the other thing I think is really fun is that they were using cubism as a major influence for the movie and the animation style. Um, and they part of it is because cubist art, artists wanted to be able to like depict multiple planes at the same time which is why their stuff looks crazy. They wanted to be able to like show you third and fourth dimensions in two dimensions. Um, and so since obviously they are trying to depict like multiple dimensions at the same time is one of the reasons they were using like cubism. Right. Um, Where you have like the cityscapes kind of overlapping and like looking crazy. Mm-hmm. Or when like they would glitch and their bodies mm-hmm. would sort of get all jagged and like that. I thought that was really cool. Um, we, we noticed this during the movie, but the comic bubbles... Like, the thought bubbles don't appear until he gets bit. Which is fun. Which is cool. And also, the movie is 24 frames per second, which is pretty standard for animation. Um, except Miles is 12 frames per second until he learns how to swing. And then he catches up to, like, the rest of the movie. Um, so, yeah, it's stuff that, like, you don't really notice this most of the time. Um, but it is just, like, all adding to, like, the texture of the animation in the film. Um, Beautifully made. Yeah. It was great. Um, do you want to move on and guess what the Rotten Tomatoes score is for Into the Spider-Verse? I gotta guess that it, I it better be like 98%. It was, at least for a while, because they're always changing... Nicolas Cage's highest rated movie. Yeah. Um, it is still really high up there. The uh, critic score is 97%. Um, and the audience score is 94%. Because 6% of people don't know what they're talking I should say, about. Too low. 94%? Yeah. Too low. 100%. Should be 100%. So that tells The 6% you. are the people who are like, <laughs> cartoons the- are for kids. Suggestions for what you may also like oh boy. for this movie. Uh-huh. The very first one, Paddington 2. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which I Best think movie I really ever made. need to see. Yeah, because, we still haven't seen that one. Uh, I think that'll like, be a good bonus episode. Yeah. <laughs> to do Paddington 2. If you don't um, know what we're talking about, you need to watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yes. But it is surprisingly important to that film. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, just loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, definitely worth a watch. Definitely worth like five watches. Yes. Honestly, it's so good. You can watch it over and over again. I saw this one in the theater and was blown away. I'm so glad I saw it in the theater the first time. I really am hoping that I'll be able to get to the second one in theaters before yeah. it leaves. Yeah. Cool. You know what time it is? What time is it? It's time for. Inside the cage, inside the cage, inside the cage, inside the cage. I wish everyone could see the little dance that you're doing. It adds. They can hear it in my voice. They can hear the the dynamic nature. You need the the hand motions to really... You kind of look like you're DJing an invisible table. (laughs) (laughs) What is our inside the cage this week? We have like several things that we can talk about this week a little bit. Little tidbits. Little cage... Little little, little cage nibbles. Little breadcrumbs. Yeah. So, first off, new Nicolas Cage movie trailer, which would be enough for one inside the cage, I think. Yes. It looks great. This is one that we hadn't heard anything about, 
Suddenly the trailer just appeared on my, like, timeline. Yep. And I was like, I'm sorry, what is this? I knew it was coming. I had heard the name of the film before, but I had no idea what it was. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard about this one. But, uh, yeah, it's called The Retirement Plan. Should be coming out in the next, I don't know, little while. Yeah. Um, and uh, it looks like a fun romp. Yeah, it looks, it looks like, like taken if Liam Neeson wore Hawaiian shirts the whole time. Yes, it just wanted to be left alone. Yeah. Just wanted to retire and be a beach bum. Um, I was trying to figure out who the director was. I It's not really like, oh, Tim Brown. I, that doesn't help me at all. I don't know who Tim Brown is. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, it's your classic, um, he's an old retired badass whose granddaughter shows up because, uh, his daughter is in trouble, and then the daughter slowly finds out that her dad maybe is an assassin. Um, and in addition to Nicolas Cage, this movie also has Jackie Earl Haley, Ron Perlman, uh, and Ernie Hudson in it. It's coming out in August. Oh, snap! That's so soon. That's very soon. August 25th. All right. Guess we're going to go see it. So, um, yeah. But yeah, watch the trailer. It looks silly and fun. It does look silly and looks fun. Looks like he does some action, does some comedy. Love to see it. Yeah. One of the rare movies, though I guess it's getting more and more now, where he actually looks older. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like he's not really ever, especially given that what we know about times that he's been given full creative license in terms of what he looks like in yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's not ever been particularly like a vanity actor, except for mm-hmm. maybe about his hair. Yes. Um, yeah. But, like, he, he does like to, like, uglyify himself sometimes when yeah. given the opportunity. I feel but like he's, he's playing older. He's in playing this film. older than he. I'm guessing the character is supposed close to be to like his actual age. Yeah, I'm guessing the character in the film is supposed to be around seventy, maybe, yeah. where he is what sixty. Yeah, 50, he's around sixty-five. Um, whatever. He's fifty-nine. Oh, that's close. Um, so yeah, it, it seems like they aged him up maybe a little bit, but um, yeah, that was fun. Um, what else? Is on what other I wanted to talk about is this zine creator who we've we've talked about before. I'm a big fan. Um, Braddy Bree, yeah, uh, does a lot of um, I don't even know what to the their flippy comics that are really fun. It's like they are folded, they're the kind of like zines that are folded in a way that when you like unfold them, it's like a new page. It's almost like one of those she does like whole movie scenes though, yeah. Um, she cootie catchers. Yeah, cootie catchers. She went viral for her several um, for several does, of yeah, them. She's she does viral. a lot of Nicolas Cage ones. Yeah. Anyways, she po- made a post. Apparently, last year she got four season season desists. She has a lot of Nicolas Cage comics, so who knows or zines, so who knows who which ones? Yeah. She got season desists about, but she got four season desists from Nicolas Cage lawyers. Mm-hmm. saying you can't sell these on Etsy anymore. Yeah. And then the very next day, they rescinded the cease and desists, and the working theory is maybe that Nicolas Cage saw her zines and was like, nah, that's fine. Yes, because I can't think of another reason that a lawyer would be like, no, you're fine. Never if, mind, unless, just kidding. Unless the person was like, I don't care. Right. You know, so... We're hoping that he's that Nicholas Cage saw that. I'm happy for her and about it because I feel like when it comes to like things like that, like 
when you're a really small shop like that, you're not making boatloads of money off no. of somebody's image. That's the thing is I'm like, she's not big enough to really like worry about it. And right. I think like, likely they... It's just cool art. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is, uh, you know, inspired by other cool art. Yeah. Yeah. Why not just let her do it? Because it, it's fun and cool. She's so. not like Target making sequin pillows or something. But... Right. <laughs> Or, you know, it's not Target making those, but whoever. Spencer's Gifts, probably. Probably like Spencer's Gifts. (laughs) Yeah, so hopefully she'll go on to make more zines. So that was fun. Yeah. Some social media gas. Some hot social media gas. And then another piece of hot social media gas that I already posted on our Instagram about probably like a week or two ago was a story that somebody had of Nicolas Cage requesting to have the honeymoon suite when they were already had it reserved for their wedding, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> they did not give it up. They did not give it up, but they later saw Nicolas Cage at the resort after being told, would you, being asked, like, would you mind switching to a different room because there's a big celebrity who's going to be here? And they said, no. And <laughs> they I was said, like, we are getting married. And I said, fair. Fair enough. You should have been like, we'll share. And oh then just God. had Nicolas Cage there on your wedding night. I... <laughs> I don't think I would want that. <laughs> no? Weirdly. <laughs> Weird. Can't imagine why. <laughs> we just have, we're just sharing a king bed, you know? Because you know it's a California king bed. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, don't it's mind me. It's plenty big enough for three people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I would have been takes like, the middle. he can have the suite <laughs> if he comes to the wedding. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Maybe that, too. That's what I would have done. I would be like, we could downgrade to a slightly less nice suite, and then he'll have to come to our wedding. Yeah. They didn't tell them, I don't think, in advance yeah. what celebrity it was. So I don't think legally. That's a roll in the dice. Yeah. Roll of the dice. What if if you're, so you're on a big trip, Liz, yeah. and they don't tell you what celebrity it is. They uh-huh. just say, hey, this there's a big celebrity coming, and they want your room. Do you roll the dice and say... Only if I get to meet them. Oh, uh, that's tough. I... You don't know who it is. No, I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, There's a chance... Because it could be Jared Leto. It could be Jared Leto. <laughs> I don't want to meet Jared Leto. Um, no, Not I... Not even for the story? I don't know. Maybe, for, maybe if it was just like, yeah, maybe to my wedding... I didn't necessarily have to talk to them that much because like when I've seen famous people in person, I'm not the kind of person who goes up and talks to them. Right. I'm not that if I go to a, a convention and I see a famous, I'm not paying money to go talk to them and like get a picture with them. That I just don't. That always seems weird to me. Yeah. Honestly. I don't really get anything out of that. It's forced. And if I had like an organic conversation with a famous person, it was fun. That's great. If you meet yeah. them out in the wild and you have like a nice little conversation with them, but like they don't, I, I my social anxiety and my and my nihilism <laughs> has combined where I'm like, I don't need to talk to famous people. Who's the most famous person you've met? Um, let's see. I mean, I've seen, I was like standing next to Ben Stiller on the street in New York. That's um, pretty fun. Which was kind of wild. Um, there was, we were in New York City and um, right as they were getting uh, out of rehearsal for a play and there was a group of like famous folks who came out and I was like, Oh dang. Um, and trying to think, I feel like there's another close, close brush with fame I've had, but I don't remember who it was at this point. So Mm -hmm. I guess it didn't make that big of an impression on me. Yeah. 
I met a lot of, um, I went to the horror writers convention last month and I met a lot of, um, authors, horror authors that are sort of famous to me. Right. (laughs) But like, if you're not in a horror, then you don't know who these people are. Right. Um, that was pretty cool because again, it was like, I had a couple organic conversations with people that were just like next to each other or like going to the same panel, um, which that was fun. It was great. I love to engage with people like, um, honestly, instead of like walking up and being like, it's weird to me. I understand other people like to do this and that's fine. But like to walk up to someone and just be like, I liked your book. And they're like, thanks. And I'm like, okay. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't, I'm not good at that stuff. So yeah. What about you? Um, the one that comes to mind is, uh, going to our friend Jeff's show pre-pandemic mm-hmm. when his band opened up for Olivia Jean, who is now Jack Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did talk to her. Yeah. Yeah. She was cool. We yeah. went out for drinks with At her. At that point, I'd never heard of her. Yeah. Until that show. And, um, I had been she a was fan lovely. of the Black Bells before. Yeah. And saw the Black Bells in Michigan, uh, like several years before that when we were still in college. Yeah. Um, but that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty, like, organic feeling yeah. kind of a thing. So it didn't feel super forced or anything. Yeah, that was really fun. I enjoyed that. We had, um, Judge Joe Brown came and talked in my office when I worked for the Obama campaign. Wow. <laughs> That's fun. And, um, Alfre Woodard, too. Oh, wow. That was more famous, probably, than Judge That's Joe That's one's Brown. more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, Judge Joe Brown. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did catch the drummer from... The Decemberists at a concert. Oh, fun. He jumped on me. I, when I saw the Decemberists back in, what year would that have been? Like 2010 when they were on their Hazards of Love tour. Yeah. Um, we were walking around Royal Oak after their concert and, um, the woman who, I can't remember her name, but I was so starstruck. The woman who sings for, um, the Queen. Oh, the lead singer of the My Brightest Diamond. Yes. Yeah. She was standing, like, just outside the venue after, like, we came back around or something. And I was, like, starstruck. So I didn't say She's very cool. Yeah. um, I would be afraid to talk to her, too. She was too cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, we know a lot of famous people. We are very Uh, cool. Um, basically famous ourselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, what's next for us? I was thinking we could do, um, Teen Titans Go the Movie. <gasps> Go to the movies. Yes. Where, Nicolas Cage, we are doing more animated superhero stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Let's do that um, one next. Just to kind of, it's another sort of cameo kind of a thing, I yeah. think. But, uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it before. Me neither. I used to watch the old... Teen Titans cartoon. I know. A bit. I have seen a few episodes of Teen Titans Go, like mm-hmm. the show, and I always feel like it's inferior to the Teen Titans of when we were younger. Me too. But I've heard good things about this movie. Okay. So yeah, I think it'll be fun. We shall put our prejudices aside and set them aside. Judge it with new eyes. And there's like a crazy cast for this one too. Yeah, I have read some of the. I don't remember the whole cast, but I remember seeing some names that I was like, "Oh dang!" Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Cool. Bye. Stay cagey, folks. Oh, spotty bell, spotty bell, swinging through midtown. Oh, what fun to sling a web and take the bad guys down. Spotty bell, spotty bells, quipping all the time. Oh, what fun to swing around New York while...